0: One man finds a way to scam Amazon out of money from their return policy. How much money? $370,000. Also, Disney's going to remake a bunch of movies to get money out of your pocket. Scam you basically to sign up for their streaming service. And oh, by the way, the craziest series on Netflix is officially done. The OA gets done, gets killed after two seasons. Those stories Really mean a lot to me this week, but didn't mean quite that much to you. They were great stories. I put them in the T's, though not top 10 material because they're in the T's. So, what 10 stories are in the top this week? We will find out in mere moments. The stories that were picked by you on the wrap up show with me, Jacob Payne. This show is the week ending August the 10th, 2019. And welcome to the podcast. I'm Jake Levin-Payne, which I already said. I also said the name of the podcast already, which is, of course, The Wrap-Up Show with Jake Levin-Payne. Now, this podcast, which is named kind of off, is for something called The Conversation Project, which lives at thisisaconversation.com. Yes, it's a lot of words, not things that follows, but it's very simple what happens here. This podcast is a culmination of the work that... Technically, you do, but every 50 minutes or so, I post a link from various sources. Some of them you know, some of them you may not know, most of them reputable, even if you don't believe them. Some of them are a little sketchy, but every 50 minutes, there's a story posted on our social media sites uh, that you get a chance to vote on, you get a chance to respond to. You tell us if those stories are more important to you than essentially the stories that are breaking news, Chiron stories, stuck all day long on the big media sites. And it, trust me, we do some of those big stories as well because they are a part of the bigger picture. But we do have a lot of very fringy stories out there just to see which ones you think are more conversational, which ones are worth really chatting about when people are stuck chatting about the same things. And if you go to our Facebook uh, following at com, or this is a conversation I should say, or our Twitter link, which is at TH underscore conversation, you can follow us, as you see the stories, come down the link. You like them, love them, hate them, share them. I say that often. But basically, you react to the stories in kind. And the higher they get in engagement, the higher the scores come to the top of the week. And you hear them in the first segment of the countdown. Like I said, the first segment, we count them down from 10 to 1 to the stories that you say is the most important based on what we posted all week long. The second segment is based on what we have housekeeping. And that is going through any files and foibles that happened within the countdown. This week, this is our third week in a row with some sort of tie, so we'll explain how that happened or how we discussed that, and the discussion will get much, much shorter because apparently we're going to keep having lots and lots of ties. We also go through the almost irrelevant story of the week. This week is story number 226 of the listing, 226 distinct different postings this week, and this story is mostly uh, low because it gets posted late in the range. We go from Friday to Friday, essentially, and this one was posted on late Thursday, so it didn't get a lot of time to gain much traction and that. That's, what's, that's why we're talking about it in the very, not the very end of the show, but the very least meaningful part of the show, I, I guess. We round out the show by rounding out the top 15. We go through stories 11 through 15, the stories like, like you heard in the tease, plus two more, and you'll hear about what stories were close. But oh, 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 so far. As we said, follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation on Facebook. Look for This Is The Conversation. Same for Instagram as well. And our main website, of course, is thisistheconversation.com. Email any complaints to the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Way too many calls to action, I know. So let's while you're still confused, let's get into the countdown. Go into the story that's right now in the number 10 spot. We are not starting off this week anywhere near a cheery note. The first story or the number 10 story specifically that you picked to be here. PhD student from Malaysia kills herself after months of racist bullying in Utah State University. The story, as I said, is the number 10 spot this week, posted on Wednesday, August the 7th. Let's give you a few lines from the story. We have the source as Next Shark, and it's usually a source of usually silliest news. But this is one that they pulled up this week. We put it in there, and you guys gave it. I don't want to say enough love, even though that's how we usually say these things, but enough response, enough action that this become a top 10 story, and it's probably important that it is. So let me read you a little bit from Next Shark so you can get some of the gist of what actually happened in this situation. A Utah State student's reports of racist bullying that ultimately forced her to take her own life had fallen on deaf ears, a lawsuit alleges. Jerusha Sanjeevi, 24, a Ph.D. candidate at Utah State University, allegedly suffered eight long months of bullying from fellow students who called her names and even conjured rumors that she was mentally unstable. Sanjeevi enrolled at the university in the fall of 2016 just after graduating from Minnesota State University with a master's degree in clinical psychology. Almost immediately, two students in her cohort singled her out, saying she had a, quote, weird Asian name, and joking that she was bipolar and calling her stupid. Both of those are in quotes, and that's what was reported by the the Salt Lake Tribune. Her boyfriend, Michael Bick, filed a suit on Thursday on behalf of her parents, who live in Malaysia. It includes emails and text conversations between Sanjeevi and her professors, which allegedly show her uncertainty in addressing her complaints. According to the suit, one of two students, one of the two students whom Sanjeevi had worked with at a professor's lab and as a teaching assistant, was particularly relentless. The female student allegedly discredited her in class, said that she smelled like Indian food, claimed that dark skin was "quote a sign of inferiority." Heard that one before and spread rumors that she was mentally unstable because she was worried about being deported. Sanjeevi first reported her concerns to a professor in September of 2016. However, the professor, who allegedly had a close relationship with the other student, quote, dismissed the reports as a misunderstanding, unquote, and continued to give preferential treatment to the student. This goes deeper and deeper into what went down for the student and what went down with the entire cohort. So check out the link inside of our website, this is a dot com. We have a link for each week's podcast right there with all sixteen links. Yes, sixteen. The top ten plus the eleven through fifteen and the almost irrelevant one, which will be the sixteenth link. So you can go deeper into any story we have here. This it's a serious situation. We have way too many of these stories like this. And because we have stories like this, we way too often, although maybe not often enough, have to take a little moment to repeat the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Just in case you are feeling not so great, that number is 800-273-8255. 800-273-8255. 800 273 talk they also have a website which is suicidepreventionlifeline.org uh there are if you can't get to them which i don't know why there's somebody there 24 7 to man those phones you should have a local lifeline there should be local mental health professionals if you're not feeling great about anything and i don't want to put the burden on the mental health thing because that was a big deal this week with the shootings but if you're just not feeling all that great you need to find someone to talk to. If you want to email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com, we'll talk. We'll figure it out. Because trust me, I've been in these situations exactly, and I know it's really, really hard to get talked down from that point. But there's no reason to go through with whatever it is you think you need to do to get it all over with. There is another way. So if you need help, get help. That's the, the main point of this discussion. There are conversations going on right now about mental health and access to guns here in the United States, which are two conversations that need to be had. But a lot of the conversations are coming up around things that are just really weird and bizarre around these episodes. Here's one incident right here. The number nine story, man with weapons, shows up at USA Today building. This story was posted on Wednesday, August the 7th. It gets a bumper response. That means it was more responsive, more people responded to it than the number 10 story of 7.35%. We're going to go through this one quickly because here's the really crazy part about it. It was updated Often, the source was a Washington Examiner, and they updated frequently based a lot on Twitter and a lot of things going on in the live action. Now, the building is the building where USA Today is is headquartered, the Gannett building. Gannett owns the building. Gannett owns USA Today and other media stuff, whatnot. So that's why it was basically called the, the USA Today building. Now, the latest update, oddly enough, is... The USA Today building in McLean, Virginia, was evacuated after a, quote, mistaken report, unquote, of an individual with a weapon on Wednesday afternoon. Going deeper into the messages as it was being updated piece by piece by piece, and trust me, this went to breaking news on TV pretty quickly, uh, going piece by piece, what it looked like is a former employee walked in with a handgun, no shots were fired. But what actually happened is still sort of a mystery. This one sort of disappeared in the rumbles of people talking about actual issues with guns that happened this week. So we're going to count this as a quick win. But at the same time, we want to count this as a lot of the craziness we're going to go through for the rest of our lives. Definitely, but definitely some extra high tensions in the near future. This week, we have another tie. That's when the raw score from the numbers of responses added with Twitter and Facebook add up to the same number. That's what makes a tie. We break those ties by various ways. We'll explain that in the second segment on how we break the ties because we're kind of getting tired of explaining it, to be honest. But the number seven and eight stories are effectively the same thing. They both have a bump response of 6.85% from the number nine story. We'll go with them in the countdown order as we do. The number eight story, Greenland Melt. Greenland's ice sheet just lost 11 billion tons of ice in one day. Friday, August the 2nd, day we posted this. Bump a response of 6.85 from the number nine story. And it's also the number one Facebook story, the story with the most love in general on Facebook. And it's sitting here in the eight spot for this week. CBSnews.com is the source for this story. We'll give you a bit of the taste of what they have up there. Europe's historic heat wave has moved to Greenland, melting its ice sheets at dramatic rates. 11 billion tons of ice melted across the country on Wednesday alone, its biggest melt in the season. While Greenland's ice sheets usually melt during the summer, record temperatures have meant a longer and more dramatic melt season. As sea levels rise globally, so do the likelihood of extreme weather events and coastal floodings. Roughly 197 billion tons of the ice from Greenland melted into the Atlantic Ocean in July. Ruth Mortran, a climate scientist from Danish Meteorological Institute, told CBS News on Friday, "That's about 36 percent more than scientists expect an average year." Mortran said the recent heat waves have escalated this year's loss of ice. The heat wave has certainly contributed to very high numbers we saw yesterday and the day before. As we said, you can go deeper into these stories by clicking on the links inside of the website at thisisthaconversation.com. Click the links for the podcast for this week, for the week ending August the 10th, 2019, and you'll see you're here. You can get the podcast there, of course, and all the information there. And deeper into this, whether you want to confirm it or complain about it, and you can always complain to me directly by sending emails, the conversation inbox at gmail.com is right where to send them to. The stats for the number seven this week. This is a story posted on Monday, August the 5th. This one, same score as the number eight story. New Zealand jobless rate drops to 11-year low wages surge. Bloomberg.com, the source for this story from Bloomberg. New Zealand unemployment dropped by an 11-year low in the second quarter and wages surged after an increase in minimum pay rates. The jobless rate fell at three point nine percent from four point two percent in the previous three months. Statistics New Zealand and Tuesday in Wellington, the lowest level since mid-2008, and significantly below economics' four point three percent estimate. Hiring jumped eight point eight percent, zero point eight percent from the first quarter, while non-government wages also increased point zero eight the most in the decade. So pardon for all that butchering of that. The report is the final key piece in the data before the Reserve Bank makes a decision on interest rates Wednesday against a backdrop of cooling domestic economic economy and rate reductions by global peers. With signs of a tighter labor market and an unlikely to deter the RBNZ, which I believe is basically their Fed, from cutting the official cash rate to a reduced low 1.25%, they may steer it away from signaling a more aggressive easing cycle, some economists said. So you can read more about this online link. But here's one of the things about this podcast. This podcast has a fairly wide range of international people listening to it. I say international because I'm in the United States and we have stories that are from all We've got to fill time. So we pulled them from all over the place. And this last two stories had to be stories that were posted from... United States sources, Bloomberg and, of course, CBS. But a lot of people gin onto these things because they see these things in the, the, the international light. That's a rough way of me saying people in other countries see things with their names on it and they get curious and they click on it. We have a lot of response from New Zealand and, and Australia, so that's not surprising a story like this one right here and the ice melting in Greenland is essentially a global warming thing. So that's big for everybody. That's more or less why it's there. I'm not sure why I guess Bloomberg does business stuff. So that's why they're dealing with the New Zealand fed and now they're dealing with the unemployment and it's just parallels to what we have going on here in the States. We have another story where a person using what is more or less termed the Zig Ziglar rule or sometimes called the Billy Graham rule, Getting themselves in some hot water, at least on a, in, a per, in a political sense, at least in the public, maybe kept them out of hot water somewhere else. Here's the headline for the story at the number six spot. North Carolina deputy fired for refusing to be alone with female trainee files religious discrimination lawsuit. Tuesday, August the 6th, the day we posted this one, this story gets a bumper response of 17.37% from the previous two stories. They were tied, 7 and 8, there you go. And the story we pulled was sourced from Newsweek.com. This one is a little long. We're going to go ahead and get into the full thing and let you be the judge of this. A North Carolina deputy fired for refusing to train a female officer is claiming religious discrimination in a lawsuit filed last week. Manuel Torres, a deputy with the Lee County Sheriff's Office, refused to be alone with an unnamed female deputy invoking the so-called Billy Graham rule by practicing among some male evangelicals to avoid being alone with a woman they are not married to. The rule is named after late evangelical icon Billy Graham, but most recently has been connected to Vice President Mike Pence, who says he abides by the principle. Torres, 51, is a deacon at East Samford Baptist Church in Samford, North Carolina. In filings, he claimed he was terminated in 2017 for refusing to train a new female hire alone because it would be a violation of his Southern Baptist values. Torres holds the strong and sincere religious beliefs that the Holy Bible prohibits him as a married man from being alone for extended periods with a female who is not his wife, the lawsuit alleges. His face precludes him from quote spending significant periods of time alone in his patrol car with the female officer trainee. That's seen in that quote. Training female deputies alone would give the appearance of sinful conduct on his part. That's another quote from the suit, which alleges to Torres asked for religious accommodations to exempt him from training in july of twenty seventeen. After his sergeant denied the request, Torres brought the issue to senior department officials. In retaliations, he claims the sergeant failed to respond to a call for backup in an unsafe area where a gun was present. The Charlotte Observer reports that in early September 2017, another superior, quote, expressed his anger, ending that quote, at Torres' repeated request for accommodation. Days later, Torres claimed he was fired with no explanation. Hopefully one last quote. This is a long article. Defendants, defendant LCSO fired plaintiff because he continued to request religious accommodations from a job duty that would violate his sincerity, held sincerely held religious beliefs, and complain about religious discrimination. That from the flinks. So we're not going to read the full thing. I want you to click on the link and see what's going on. He's seeking $300,000 in damages uh, for co- compensatory damages and 15000 in punitive damages, uh, other things there as well. It goes into deeper detail of other people who have invoked the Billy Graham rule lately. And we actually talked about one a few weeks ago, a uh, gubernatorial candidate who wanted to Limit his access to a female reporter, a reporter he had done time with before. However, it was basically a, ri- a day right along with the two of them, and he did not want that happening. So he, he said that if he went to, if he basically made it through the next round and had more funding, he would fund to have a second person in the truck. This his thing was if she was going to come along, she had to bring a dude along, and that was how that goes. If you agree with this rule, and this is something that's been out there for quite some time, even if it's now being made basically put on blast for specific characteristics of it, email me at the conversation inbox at gmail dot com or shoot us to a message to us via social media. We can chat this one up anytime you want to. Another beloved food chain is struggling to stay alive. Another business in America trying to keep on the up and up and keep things going, and they're trying to keep the lights on, but shuttering some parts of the building. Your headline: Pizza to close hundreds of dining locations. Foodbusinessnews.net dot net is where we got this, but trust me, this was all over the place, including a lot of people's Twitter feeds. Apparently, uh, the story was posted by us on Thursday, August the eighth. It gets a bumper response from the sixth story of twenty five point six eight percent. Let's get you some stuff from the source, Food Business News, and let you know while they wrote this thing up. And we'll definitely chat about this one on the back end. As many as 500 older U.S. dine-in Pizza Hut restaurants could close as the chain increases its focus on delivery carryout. We are leaning in the acceleration of transitioning of our Pizza Hut U.S. asset base to a truly modern delivery carryout access. That, of is a really, really big quote said by David W. Gibbs, president and chief operating officer and chief financial officer for Young Brands. He's got a lot of jobs in a August 1st earnings call to discuss second quarter results. He continues, this will ultimately strengthen the Pizza Hut business in the U.S. and set us up for faster long term growth. He's got a lot of stuff to say on this one more during his this transition. We expect a temporary deceleration in the pace of new unit development for the Pizza Hut division, as continued healthy unit growth will be partially offset by short-term decline in the absolute number of U.S. units. As a result, our U.S. store count could drop to as low as 7,000 locations over the next 24 months, primarily driven by closures of underperforming dining in restaurants after rebounding to current asset levels, blah, blah, blah. So, within the United States, there's about 6,100 pizza locations that are traditional restaurants and about 1,350 that are express units and Gibbs talk some more by but, but as far as the numbers of how the math works it's hard to estimate how soon the timing of when a store will close and when the replacement unit will open mr gibbs said there will be gaps on some of those but certainly our goals try to minimize those gaps so i'm going to stop reading the mumble jumbo it's amazing what corporate speak turns things into here's what this is Pizza Hut is losing people coming to stores. I can tell you that because we have a pizza here that the only reason why I go to it is because of its buffet. And I go to that buffet when the other buffets are a little little busy, to be honest. Very few people are going for the dining experience of pizzas in general and the dining experience of Pizza Hut specifically. So what they're doing is a lot of places where these stores are super underperforming, but still doing well enough to deliver pizza or for pickup as well. They're just getting rid of the dining areas. They are rebuilding the stores to manage for newer customers. The store I talk about, for example, it had a, a extra dining area for extra overflow. They've turned that area into a place for storage and place for setup when they set up for larger deliveries. There's literally one small dining room instead of the two there were before because there's no need for it because the customers aren't coming into the store. And that's a sad thing, but it's also sign of the times. There's way too many and it's hard to say that but it's way too many different choices out there and so when you over ultra with choices someone's got to lose out eventually you can take bits and pieces of market share from overall overarching everybody and in some cases no one really notices but when no one's going to your store for a dining experience and pizza was birthed out of i'm not sure that's a cruel word uh the dining experience Domino's, Papa John's, anybody else who just delivers or has you pick them up doesn't have to deal with that overhead in that space. So if the world of pizza dining in is dying out, then Pizza Hut is unfortunately a casualty of that world. With all the things going on in in the news this week and in the past coming weeks, we are sort of forgetting about what's going on internationally in our conflicts that we have here in the States. Of course, starting up again at the end of this week was all the talks with North Korea, and that's probably going to happen, probably be a big part of next week's countdown. But this week, we're going back to that old chestnut that is Iran and their new, new trouble that they're causing. Headline for this week. Iran seizes another tanker in the Gulf, state media says. BBC tells us this and we posted you guys till we told you guys on Sunday August the 4th. This gets a bump in response of 20% from the number 5 story. Iran seizes another foreign tanker in the Gulf, state media reports claim. Iran forces seized the Iraqi ship for smuggling fuel for some Arab countries, that's a butchered way of saying what they said they did, and detained seven sailors, according to reports. Iraq's oil ministry said it had no connection to the seized vessels and that it's working to gather information about it. The incident comes amid heightened tensions after the U.S. tightened sanctions on Iran's oil sector. The sanctions were reimposed after Washington unilaterally withdrew from a landmark 2015 nuclear deal. If confirmed, the Iraqi tanker would be the third foreign vessel to have been seized by Iran in recent weeks. On July 13th, the Iranian Coast Guard detained the Panama-flagged M.T. Riyadh. The guards Guard news site said that at the time, the ship was seized during naval patrols aimed at, quote, discovering and confronting organized smuggling. Also last month, Uran, Iran Uran, Iran, sees the British flag tanker, the Stepno Imperial, in the Strait of Hormuz, saying it had collided with a fishing vessel. You can get more details on what's going on and how this thing is working, but this is just another reminder, and you guys thought it was important to keep up the reminder, that there's various things going on in this world that are really, really important to not forget, and something going on there and the conflict that's happening is something that's, pretty important that we do not forget even in the insanity that we've had in the last week or so no pun intended uh, on dealing with just the issues that we've had right here domestically before we get ready to jump into some really really crazy bad news and you'll trust me when i get there we'll see the crazy let's get into something that's pretty cool right here here's a headline new alzheimer's test could detect signs of disease decades before symptoms show This was posted on Saturday, August the 3rd. This is a bumper response from the number four story of 2.9%. This is another story from Newsweek.com, and since they're known for long-form stuff, I'm not even going to embarrass myself and say we're going to read the whole thing like I did last time. We're going to read some of this story from Newsweek to get you the gist of it. A blood test which can diagnose the brain changes linked to Alzheimer's disease with 94% accuracy could be available in the doctor's office in a matter of years and could help speed up the creation of new treatments, according to researchers. The test detect levels of beta amyloid, a protein linked to the neurodegenerative condition. A buildup of beta amyloid can become a sticky plaque which is thought to block signals between cells at synapses and cause Alzheimer's disease. A total of 158 adults aged over 50 took part in the study. The participants took gave blood samples, cerebral fluid—that's brain fluid—and had a PET brain scan. This involved injecting a radioactive substance into the body and seeing where it collects. It provides a clue as to how the brain is working and whether there is an abnormal buildup of the beta amyloid protein. The team also looked at whether the participants had the APOE gene linked to Alzheimer's. of the participants came back for a second PET scan. Those who tested negative for beta amyloids during the first PET scan had a 15-fold risk of later testing positive if they had a certain sort of beta thing that I can't even read because literally are betas. So go to the link inside this week's podcast and read deeper into this one because it gets really, really scientifical already pretty quickly. But this is a good thing. There is now the possibility we're we're just crossing fingers and praying. We're not going to say this is definitely down the line of a new test that can help find the sources of Alzheimer's and find them much, much quicker for people. And maybe, as there's commercials out now saying, the person who beats Alzheimer's may be coming pretty soon. Maybe fairly soon we have a person who actually beats the disease. I have not had to defend the blacky, black, 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 black black stories and my blacky, black, 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 black commentary and stories in quite some time. And that's because, as I always explain... This podcast is not really me. It's really you. You determine the stories throughout the week that are the most conversational that need to be addressed. And if you're not addressing blacky black, black 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 stories, then I get to keep my blacky black 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 mouth uh, shut. And then number two story popped up this weekend. Now I get a chance to run my mouth. Texas officers on horses led handcuffed black man by a rope. This brought to us by NBC News. Tuesday, August 6th, the day it was brought to us, or the day we brought it to y'all's, and y'all put it up there in a the two-spot, making it more responsive than a three-story by 21.83%. Oh, don't worry, the number one story gets even crazier. So, let's get a bit into what NBC News has to say, and then let me tell you what I got to say about this one right here. A Texas Police Department changed its policy Monday after pictures surfaced showing two white officers on horses, leading a black man in handcuffs by a rope. Adrian Bell, a Democrat who was running for Congress in 2020, tweeted a picture showing one of the Mounted Galveston police officers holding a rope attached to handcuffed class behind a man's back. Quote, It's hard to understand why these officers felt this young man required a leash as he was handcuffed and walking between two Mounted officers. It's a scene that invoked anger, disgust, and questions from the community. That came from Adrian Bell. According to the Galveston Police Department, the officers identified as P. Prosk and A. Smith arrested Donald Neely, 43, for criminal trespass on Saturday. Here's a quote from them. A transportation unit was not immediately available in the time of the arrest, said the statement from the department. So Neely was handcuffed to, and a line was clipped to his handcuffs That's all in the statement as well. As the officer clutched the other end of the line, leading Neely. The officers were familiar with Neely, and he had been warned about trespassing. The statement said, He was led on the rope about two blocks to, quote, where the mounted patrol unit was staged from, unquote. The method of handcuffing someone and escorting them between two mounted officers is usually used in volatile situations, like crowd control. Quote, The practice was not used correctly in this instance, the police statement said. More from the police statement. I believe our officers showed poor judgment in this instance and could have waited for a transportation unit at the location of the arrest. I apologize to to Mr. Neely for this unnecessary embarrassment. That came from Galveston Police Department Chief Vernon L. Hale. More? My officers did not have any malicious intent at the time of the arrest. But we have immediately changed the policy to prevent the use of this technique and will review all mounted training and procedures for more appropriate methods. Bell said she applauded Hale's swift action, that's her quote, and discontinuing the practice. But she added this. Questions about transparency, community policing in communities... Community policing in communities and accessibility still remain. There are also concerns about arrest procedures for the persons who are known by police departments as having mental issues. Bell said she would soon invite law enforcement leaders to a town hall meeting so they could face concerns of community members. Deep breath. Deep breath. Deep breath. What exactly is going on in policing these days? What type of police department, and Galveston's not necessarily, it's not some tiny little podunk place. Galveston may not be the largest place in the world, but those guys have a lot of things coming through and plenty of media to go through. What kind of department would not train their officers about the look of something as, here I say it, stupid, I said it, as that? Why would they think that two white guys... What a guy on a, on a rope, a black dude just walking behind him would be a good visual, especially if he's just a known public trespasser. Especially he was not like out there, you know, in a week where we have people shooting up folks and wandering to Walmart just to see if somebody would arrest him because they had a gun. This guy, I don't, I don't know exactly what he did. I'm not saying what he did was great. It probably, you know, he probably deserved to be arrested. He didn't need to be arrested. And pulled by a rope behind two guys on a horseback. That is totally about the curse. That is totally ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. And obviously they ended the policy, so that's fine. And it's, you know, maybe they do need something and they have. Let me me back up. In a situation of crowd control and riot control, I can definitely see this happening. I can see the use of this. I can see how it's purposeful in a riot, not with one guy breaking into cars or buildings or whatnot. And they're just too lazy to wait for a car to pick them up. If I wasn't running really late on time. And if I also did a better job of scripting these things out, I'd have something more eloquent to say in this case. But other than why were these guys so stupid, which pretty much much says it all right there. So, here we are. We have made it to the number one story this week, as said by you. You are you get all the credit. I take none of the blame. This is a story that you said was the tops for the week. Sorry, I'm still a little hot from that story with the dragon guy on, on the... Uh, uh. This story was posted on Saturday, August the 3rd. This story was the highest Twitter story of the week by leaps and bounds. This story gets a bumper response from the number two story, which I'm still hot about of 612% from the number 10 story. That was a story on the PhD student who committed suicide after being bullied 1,712% and the almost relevant story this week. Number 222, we'll tell you whether it is in the next segment, but right now we'll tell you that it was not as responsive as the number one story by a factor of 15,306%. Your headline for this week's number one story, as per you, from com, North Dakota ends ban on Sunday morning shopping. There you go. Washington Times is our source for the story. Let's get you a little bit from this phenomenal bit of reporting on how now you can buy stuff on Sundays in North Dakota. North North Dakotians will be allowed to shop on Sunday mornings for the first time since statehood. The legislature in March voted to repeal the state's long-standing Sunday business restrictions that are rooted in religious traditions. The National Conference of State Legislatures says about a dozen states have some sort of Sunday sales laws, but only North Dakota prohibited shopping on Sunday morning. Bismarck business owner Jeff Hinn says he will continue to be closed on Sunday mornings, he says he doesn't want to work on Sunday mornings and won't force any of his 60 employees to do so either. That's it. That's it. North Dakota, you can now shop on Sunday. That's it. That's all we got. That is the top 10, and that is the number one story as said per you. Now, if you're not a fan of that story, number one, or definitely not a fan of that story, number two, or anywhere between the one through 10 spots, that means you need to work on the stories that are going to pop in for this upcoming week's episode and it's simple follow us on facebook this is a conversation follow us on instagram there as well follow us on twitter at th underscore conversation and what happens on facebook and twitter not instagram is every 50 minutes we post a story a news story from various places the washington times for example and throughout the day 24 7 you can see what's going on and if a story resonates with you if you like it love it or hate it like it, love it, or hate it in your social media. Click the right button, share it with friends, respond to me, do whatever you want to do with it. But the more engagement the story gets, that tells me it needs to be engaged. Apparently, a lot of people want to be engaged with shopping on Sundays in North Dakota. I don't get it. But the more engaged in the story, the higher it gets, and it gets into the first segment, the top 10 segment, if it's top 10. If it's not top 10, it may not show up. If it's 1, 11 through 15, we'll talk about it at the end. And of course, if it's at the very bottom, We'll talk about that in Mere Moments in segment number two as we get to the almost relevant story of the week. Also, we'll do the housekeeping, which is essentially explaining what a tie is again. That's coming up in Mere Moments from the wrap-up show with Jay Cliffin Payne. This is for the week ending August the tenth, twenty nineteen. The conversation is basically fueled by you. You, number one, do the bulk of the work in telling us what we're doing for this podcast and what stories are the most important as we're posting them. But it's fueled by you per your kind contributions. You can offer up anything you want to via Patreon at patreon.com slash this is conversation. That's one way. But another way is just by doing what you normally do, just by shopping for things that you love and need. And I know you need glasses and you love good glasses. So we've hooked up with Warby Parker for a great deal for you. Now what they will do is you go to their website via our link so we get a little bit of credit and they're going to send you five pairs of designer glasses for free. And you can wear those five pairs of designer glasses, figure out which pair that you like. And the ones that you like, you keep, you send the ones back and great looking glasses from Warby Parker start at $99 lenses included. Now, how do they do this? It's magic. Actually, it's not magic. It's actually just really good business sense. They use the same principles that they use to get glasses to people in remote areas who have hard time getting to things in general but they can still get good, cheap glasses to those places because they need them and allow people who want good designer glasses to get the same convenience from their home. Now, if you have a Warby Parker store near you, you can go there and you can tell them we sent you. and We get no credit whatsoever. But assuming you don't have a store near you, go to our website, thisisaconversation.com. Click on the link for Warby Parker or go to thisisaconversation.com slash Warby Parker just that simple click the links and you will get a great extra special deal on top of what's going on they do this for their their supporters they do this for the people that do their endorsements and we're glad to have them on i wear glasses i know the hassle of getting glasses and i can tell you warby parker is a great place to get your nice designer great glasses at nice good prices not designer prices check them out this is the conversation.com slash WarbyParker. Check out all their sponsors and see which ones may be there for you. But if you're in the mood for a nice pair of glasses, they've got five pairs to send you. They are Warby Parker. Second number two always starts off with housekeeping. We answer the questions that may be a question first. So let's go to the basic housekeeping for anybody who's brand new. Oh, by the way, here's some housekeeping. Hello to all the great folks who are joining us after hearing my appearance this last weekend from In the Black podcast. And we'll talk more about them in just a bit we have a podcasting second where we promote podcasts we'll talk about them in just a second and so I should have said this much earlier but thank you so much for joining in, in the conversation and getting this far so if you enjoy what's going on here as we said follow us on Facebook and Twitter and of course email me at the conversation inbox at gmail.com look for me online at Payne, pretty much anywhere and just let me know that you watched or maybe you watched it because they're also offering the video of the recording you watched it or listened to the podcast and we can chat about things going on especially if you are a podcaster because we do a lot of work i do a lot of work with podcasters in general Uh, but let me do a quick explanation of how the conversation works as we said you go to our social media sites and you click the links you engage the links of the stories about all week long and what we do at the end we take the numbers of all the stories from facebook and all the stories from twitter and we weigh them so they're on even footing cram them together and then add them up for a total score that makes it easy to count things down. So what I'm doing is a total score of, of uh, stories from the number top spot to number 226, the bottom spot that we have. Because it's math and because it's numbers, things can happen. Things just sort of turn out that way. And so what you get is a literally raw numbers that go from top to bottom. And so we rank them and put them in order. And we tell you just by the pure number of the score, how responsive they are to each other, because otherwise we have to give you the full trade secrets. And that gets a little, little dicey. So that's how we tell you the difference between how people react to story number 10 and story number one and the story number 226, the ones in the middle, those are always going to be a mystery. But when you have something that's just basically raw scores and just raw data numbers, And every so often, the numbers just add up to the same, which is why we have ties. Now, we hadn't had this many ties in quite some time. We basically had three in a row, so we had time to define our statements on ties. So we can make that work out. And so this is what happens when we have a tie, when the score, basic raw score, is exactly the same. The first thing we do is look at the age of the story, and the younger story wins. That's because the younger story had less time to get to the point to tie up with the older story. The older story had more time to sit around and be there and be soaked in while the younger story did more work. So it becomes the higher ranking story. That is why the story at the seventh spot on New Zealand's jobless rate is rated higher than New, New Zealand. I'm sorry, the Greenland ice melting, even though it had the same score. The next round, if they happen to be posted on the same day is the fact that we go with the engagement on Facebook. We just go with Facebook because the Facebook engagement is usually more dynamic than the Twitter based on our listen our listeners, our viewers, our clickers as there. This week we did not have to go to the Facebook, we just went by the dates. The New Zealand 1 was posted on Monday, so it had less time to grow than the story posted on Friday. So there you go. That's how we broke that tie there. If you have any questions about how we do any of these things, uh, just let us know. Email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com, and we can give you the rundown. And we're working on a, I'm saying this, you know, basically thinking out loud, working on a fact that basically explains these things so you can go by and read them, although most people won't read them. Very quickly, let's get into the story that we're calling the Almost Relevant Story of the Week reason why we call it that is because it's the lowest-ranking story in the countdown, and it's usually lowest because it was posted somewhere between late Thursday and early Friday and didn't get enough traction. This one posted late Thursday, so the explanation falls in line. Ice-making submarine would pop out bergs to help fight climate change from NBC News. Posted on Thursday, August the 8th, and the only reference you get is the fact that this story was 15,306 times less responsive Than the story of North Dakota now having sales of basically everything on Sunday. I'll read you a little bit from the story because why not? From building floating cities and towering seawalls to erecting snow canyons in Antarctica to help replenish melting polar ice, scientists and urban planners have proposed all sorts of schemes to defend against rising seas. One of the most worrisome consequences of climate change. Now, designers in Indonesia have offered up what may be the most audacious plan yet. They proposed building ice-making submarines that would ply polar waters and pop-out icebergs to replace melting flows. Sea level, sea level rise due to melting ice should not only be responded to with defensive solutions, the designer of the submersible iceberg factory said in an animated video describing the vessel, which took second place at a recent design competition held by the Association of Siamese Architects. Yes, there is one. The video shows uh, the proposed submarine dipping slowly beneath the ocean surface to allow seawater to fill its large hexagonal well. When the vessel surfaces, an onboard desalination system removes the salt from the water and a giant freezing machine in chilly ambient temperatures freeze the fresh water to create six-sided bergs. These float away when the vessel resubmerges and starts the process all over again. A fleet of ice making subs operating continuously could create enough of the 25 meter wide ice babies to make a larger ice sheet, according to designers. Click on the link inside of a podcast for this week and see if you really want to get into the iceberg popping machines. Uh, See what else you can get into. Because as we said, all the stories from 1 to 16 to 22, just the 16th story, are there to respond to, to read deeper into, or sometimes even ridicule. And as I often do. So, there you go. Coming up in mere moments, I say mere moments a lot, we will get to the... 11 through 15 stories, running out the stories that didn't quite get in line, uh, and maybe tell you a bit why. That's just a moment here on the wrap up show with Jay Cleveland Payne, right here from com for the week ending August the 10th, 2019. Shout out to my boys, and they are my boys. I love those guys. Big O, Hush Hard, and the Orange Crush, the members of the squad that make up In the Black podcast, Mr. Black himself, Big O. It puts on a grand show for everybody every single week or weekish or so as it gets through. And trust me, I put together this big thing. It's a lot of work. I know the work he goes through to make sure his thing happens, and he's doing it for y'all and putting a lot of love into it as well. Since you're listening to a podcast that talks about news and new stories of the week, this is a, a podcast that falls in line with you. Now, here's the the kicker of it. There are three Washington, D.C. working professionals who just happen to be black, but they're also fathers. They're also older, getting older, you should say, and they're doing their best to just be great men. And they're having great conversations that aren't necessarily black stories, but they happen to be black men talking about the stories and you can get a lot from learning their perspective, especially if they're not exactly the perspective you're used to. And they these guys, you the guys love each other. You can tell they are hilarious together. I got a chance to be with them for my second shot on in the black podcast this last week. I guess coming out the weekend. This is coming out. So if you are joining me from listening to them, thank you so much for Helping me out by giving me a little love here. Make sure you keep giving love to those guys. And if you've not experienced In the Black Podcast yet, it's simple. They are anywhere your pods are cast. They specifically highlight being places like iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. And of course, they are a part of a new network, the Village Podcast Network. But just go to their main website, In the Black Podcast. Just like that, in the blackpodcast.com to learn about those guys. And if you want to help them out, become a Patreon follower for them, they can use support as well. I can tell you, these things are hard to do, and whatever you can give to show the love is very much appreciated. I'm showing plenty of love for these guys, so keep their thing going. It's in the black podcast, our spotlight podcast for this week. Social media is in a bit of a purge. The big companies are doing what they can to get rid of the bots, get rid of the nasty peoples out there. So the numbers are dwindling. So we could use a little boost to our numbers. If you're enjoying the podcast but not exactly using the fruit of your labors. Not letting us put you to work, if you will. Uh, make sure you like us somewhere, either on Facebook or on Twitter. We can use some Facebook likes definitely to bring that back up. All right now let's go to the shout outs. Starting off with Facebook, by the way. Ruth M. Miller posting and giving a little extra love this week. Also Clarence E. Springer, Kelly Reap, Wave Ellison, Vicky Young. Also love going out very quickly to Big O himself from the in the Black Podcast and Deborah Lee Scott. Go to Twitter for Twitter love, people who showed us some extra love and they're liking, loving, and sharing inside of Twitter. It includes, of course, the Poop Bot. Speaking of poops, speaking of bots, should say, who I'm not sure why. Oh, I know why. Well, we'll not get into why there. Uh, Grecia Recon, George or maybe Jorge Schneider, Also love from Cord Cutter One, Honcho, Murderous Miners Miners Podcast. Thank you so much, podcasters, supporting podcasters. Matt Ayers and Jasmina Zerokic. Thank you so much for joining us this week in the love that we share. Now let's go ahead and share the love of getting almost done with this thing. And we're going to round out the top 15. Stories number 11 through 15 in that order. Stories that did not make it into the top 10. Stories, some of which you heard in the tease. And maybe a little bit of why they weren't quite worthy of, of being top 10 worthy starting off the story in the number 11 spot. And we're not going to get any perspective other than the fact that this is a the spot they're in. So that's what you get. Oh, we'll, we'll tell you when they're posted, but we're not going to give you very much on top of that. The headline, YouTuber Marina Joyce reported missing in London. BNO News is the source, and Friday, August 9th is the date we posted this. We'd go ahead and go into the story. You can click the link to find out all the details of what went down. But it was updated, and she is safe and sound and found. So there's really not much to go into other than kind of the rigmarole that went into it. She has like 3.5 million followers, so a lot of people found the fact that she was missing a bit disturbing you did as well the fact that it was posted on on friday the on friday the 9th basically posted right before the deadline and made its way or actually morning of and made its way into so high of a ranking not quite top 10 barely there let's go on to the story that's in the number 12 spot though Playboy model drives Lamborghini into a swimming pool after missing the break. Saturday, August 3rd, a date from that one. The Blast, the source for this one. We'll give you some of this one. Straight putting on blast from The Blast. Model Saraja Vulic from Serbia posted a video of a Lamborghini she was driving taking a pool plunge and of people subsequently cleaning up after the mess. Apparently, Vosilic missed the break because she was wearing high heels. I mean, who hasn't done this? Vucelic wrote underneath the video, quote, when your high heel slips from the brakes and the Lambo ends up in the pool. The incident appears to have happened in Cannes can- on the French Riviera. Vucelic may have been on a photo shoot there because the video includes a shot of some camera equipment. Click on the link inside of this week's podcast, Cannes, and <laughs> click on the link for this week's podcast, and you can see the video links themselves on her Instagram Embedded in the thing, and you can either laugh and revel laughing with her, laughing at her, or crying to yourself at the way people some people just are. Sometimes it is amazing that the human race has lasted this long with things like that. Let's go on to the story at the number thirteen spot for this week. The headline reads Amazon allegedly scammed out of three hundred and seventy thousand dollars by twenty year olds return shipments of dirt. Friday, August the 2nd is the date this was posted, and your source for this story is Fox Business. Of course. Here's a few lines from this one. A 22-year-old has been arrested in alleged scam of the largest internet retailer that totaled nearly $37,000 by sending return packages filled with dirt. James Gilbert Corteg of Palma de Mercurio, Spain, allegedly swindled Amazon by filling up the ordered items boxes with dirt and registering with exact weight on the product. He would then receive a refund from Amazon and sell the original item, according to El Español and El Diero de Mercuro totally messed those up. The return packages would end up sitting around Amazon warehouses where they aren't checked often. Scam wasn't discovered until a random search where someone opened a box and discovered it was full of dirt. Amazon's return policy states items shipped from their website, including Amazon Warehouse, can be returned within 30 days of receipt. Refunds are processed in two business days and customers can inspect their funds showing their accounts within three to five business days. The report states the success of the alleged scam of Quartig who has been released on bail, enabled him to create his own company. So, not exactly what I would say in my two-minute business wisdom podcast as great wisdom to start your company, funding it by scamming out Amazon, but apparently he made it work. I can't say more power to him because what he did was really, really wrong, but more power to him. All right, this is one that's going to make you cringe a bit, or maybe more than a bit. The story at the number 14 spot this week, Disney to remake Home Alone, other movies for its streaming service. Wednesday, August the 7th is the date that this one was posted, and the source for the story of this week, or this one particularly, comes from uh, News 3, Channel, Channel 3 News in Memphis, because it's a, basically it was a Reuters story. We just pulled it from there. It was actually a story off the wire from CNN, by the way. So here's the deal. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. A Disney remake of Home Alone is on its way. In a conference call with investors, Disney CEO Bob Iger said the company would be re-imaging the 1990s Christmas classic film for its long-awaited streaming service, Disney+, Plus, along with Night at the Museum, Cheaper by the Dozen, and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. In March, Disney acquired most 21st Century Fox assets following a $71 billion deal, including several film franchises. You can read a little more deeper into the story, but essentially, it's a way to get more content for streaming services. These things are becoming really a big deal, and why not? Basically, they, they because they're Disney and they own everything. They have the Marvel stuff, they have the Star Wars stuff, they have all the Disney animation stuff and all the Pixar stuff. And the price for this is going to be $6.99, which is cheaper than Netflix is right now. But it's going to be that most have already seen. That's going to be the the thing on this one, though. So you have to figure out whether if you want to see the upcoming Marvel stuff via your own home without paying the full price for the rental whether you're going to pay for this one and also whether the remake of 20th Century Fox stuff on the Disney mantle is worth paying the $6.99 as well and finally at the number 15 a story that makes me very very happy it should not make me this happy I should not care at all but after suffering through two seasons of this very totally warped show uh, I blame you James McDaniel I am glad it's going to be gone and gone for good. I don't care about the cliffhanger. I'm glad it's done. Headline, Netflix cancels the OA after season two. Yay. Tuesday, August the 6th, of the day this was posted. Let's get you some real news from this one. This one we pulled from comicbook.com. Another day, another Netflix original series getting the axe. This time, Netflix has canceled sci-fi drama series The OA after just two seasons. News that is sure to send the series' dedicated cult following into an uproar. and They are a cult. Variety dropped the announcement that The OA has been canceled. In the report, we also got the following statement from Netflix regarding the show's end and well wishes for The OA creator, Britt Marling and Zal Batmuliva. The Statement. We are incredibly proud of the 16 mesmerizing chapters of the OA and are grateful to Brit and Zal for sharing their audacious vision for realizing it through its incredible artistry, said Sydney Holland, vice president of original content for, Vi- for Netflix. We look forward to working with them again in the future in this and perhaps many other dimensions. So, deeper into the story, you can click on that if you want to, it goes into the fact that how the stuff they built is essentially... Cult like stuff, very weird stuff. Stuff you've got to really kind of get into to stay into. And for some reason, I stuck with the first season. After giving up to get to the end of it, was very unhappy at the end. Was hopefully happy that it was done. They found a way to do the whole flip it script and do put on its head for season two and live, which left me pretty much insanely crazy and and hateful that I watched the whole first season and the second season in the second place. The OA is done. I am happy. Thank God I don't have to deal with another round of crazy. I blame you, James McDaniel, for dealing with this. And also thank the Lord himself that we've gotten through this episode. Uh, For those of you who weren't in the know, I recorded a video early in the day as we recorded this. This is really late. We're not recording it until Saturday evening. We didn't think we'd get it done because of some crazy scheduling things that happened, but we got it in. And thank you so much for all you guys who listened to it and caught up to it and who will hopefully in the future respond to it. Once again, thank all the folks who listened to this week on the In the Black podcast and now found this podcast. Hopefully we've taken care of what you need. If there's something that we need to fix, Email us at inbox at gmail.com. If you've not found me there and just want me to fix something anyway, same email address applies. Now, how do we keep this thing going? It's very simple. We count down the hits as in news stories that you say are hits. And you tell us their hits by going on social media and responding to them, liking them, loving them, sharing them, being engaging with those links as they pop up into your feed every 50 minutes or so. Facebook. This is a conversation, same as Instagram. Also, Twitter, TH underscore conversation. And we add them up, put them in a spreadsheet, and we tell you at the end of the week what stories you said were cooler than cool, even if the mainstream media was stuck on certain things. And there were a lot of important things to be stuck on this week, but there were a lot of other things going on, and you proved just which ones were worth an extra conversation. If you're up to giving us a few bucks on Patreon, patreon.com slash this is the conversation. If you just want to visit one of our sponsors and do it the old fashioned way, go to the sponsors page and you see links at the website, or go straight to this week's big sponsor, the one we're showcasing, which is this is slash Warby Parker. Also, in the Black Podcast, which I already mentioned at the beginning of this wrap up, is the podcast we're spotlighting this week. So check out in the blackpodcast.com if you've not found them yet or search for them wherever your favorite pods are cast. And as far as this pod being cast, we need more people listening to the pod. So make sure you're subscribed and once you're subscribed to your favorite podcatcher, find other people to share the message. F- loved ones, weird ones, ones who really, really hate you. Those are the ones that you really need to show just how engaged you are. Find people that you know Hate you, say, Hey, you need to listen to this podcast. They will say no. You say, Hey, give me your phone. They will say no. You take their phone, open their phone. You subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcatcher. You hand it back to them. You say, You'll be much better for this. You'll thank me later. They'll say no. You say, no, you will thank me later and find some other person who hates you even worse and keep going that way. That way we are growing and expounding on this one. Of course, you can find out more information about me, main me, at jclevenpain.net. Email me directly at jclevenpain at gmail.com. And just be back here for the show next week. That's not the best way to do this. Because just, you, can, you can be a part of it and you can listen to it at the end. We're going to come back counting them down from 10 to 1, the stories that all you folks said were the most important stories to talk about per conversations. On The Wrap-Up Show with me, Jay Cleveland Payne, this is brought to you by ThisIsTheConversation.com and The Conversation Project.